When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Garber down the left-hand side, muscling Duarte out the roll. Out of the way, rather. It's a ball in, and it's... Oh, it is! And it to the roof of the net! New Zealand are level! This is usually a bad sign when the referees are asked to go to the touchline. They're going to look, I think, at the challenge from Garbutt. Goal is disallowed. disallowed. Unbelievable scenes there and the emotion on the faces of the New Zealanders, the small group of New Zealand fans that were in the stadium sort of summed it up really. It was quite puzzling but at the end of the day it was a telling moment in the game. The game we need to talk about now with uh, Ricardo Ball and Jacob Spoonley. Jake, uh, good morning to both of you guys. Jacob, first of all, uh, you've been um, in this uh, football side, you've been the custodian at the back. Uh, The emotions you think the players will have now, the emotions you've got. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, everyone. Apologies for my voice. Uh, I've been up since one and uh, on air for a wee while, so I'm running <laughs> running out of resources, really. I'm pretty deflated, Smithy. It's, it, it just felt like it was there for the taking. I think we're the better team for large chunks of that game. And then not only is it a situation where it's a missed opportunity, but it feels like it was taken from us in part because of the refereeing, both the referee on the field and the VAR team that intervened. And to put it diplomatically, really curious circumstances. Okay, so explain this to me. Um, Ricardo, explain this to me, how the system works, because uh, we're so um, up-to-date with the way it's done in rugby. The TMO uh, oversees things, but it's, uh, it's not a case of going to the sideline monitor and doing it. So how does it work? And can the referee, who has the final say? Can the referee say to the VAR guy, actually, whilst I see the pictures, I still don't believe it was that bad because I didn't call it in the first place. What happens there? Yeah, uh, morning Smithy, morning Spoons. Um, yeah, he can, the referee can, but it is very rare that the referee gets sent to the monitor by VAR and he doesn't go with the VAR decision. So, uh, I mean, when it comes to VAR, they're supposed to be looking at incidents that happen throughout the match. And if they believe there is something the referee has missed, something that is termed uh, in the FIFA statute as a clear and obvious error or something that is clear and obvious that has been missed, then they can point it out to the referee and say, hey, look, I reckon you should have a look at this. Um, It's something that the Costa Ricans were very, very good at. Uh, You'll notice that when that player went down, uh, they took a long time to get restarted because they knew that it would give VAR more time to look at things. It was the same with the player that Costa Barbarossa's tackled and got the red card for. Uh, I mean, he played on, played on the rest of of the game. He He was okay. Um, not saying that that wasn't a red, but they, what he did was he took 
his time and made sure he stayed down, played it up so that the referee um, had to stop the game and VAR in the meantime, what do they do? Well, they're going to go back and look at the tackle. So the, the Costa Ricans were smart in the way they played that. Um, I think the biggest problem really is consistency here because I think if you look at the penalty call that Chris Wood had for the push in the back, if you're not going to give that because you don't think that's enough contact, then I don't think that you can say that what Matt Garbutt did was enough contact to overrule the goal, if you know what I mean. And the fact that Matt Garbutt, you know, really got fouled first anyway in that situation. Um, so mm. I think there's inconsistency, and that is the biggest problem. Can I just jump Always, in? Uh, Wait, the, just yeah, abs- you go. absolutely. I just want to add one point, and this comes down to the goal. So returning to the disallowed goal for New Zealand, the one that Chris Wood put into the roof of the net, the referee uh, gets asked to go and review the incident, uh, and he gets to make the final decision. In relation to that particular incident, Matt Garbutt and the contact between Matt Garbutt and the Costa Rican player in real time is right in front of the referee. He is ideally positioned to make a call on that, and he chooses not to. He chooses to allow play to go on, um, and then that leads to the, uh, the ball going in the back of the net. Why then does he have to go and review it frame by frame to figure out if there is any particular reason why it shouldn't be given, having seen the incident in real time uh, within the spirit and the speed of the game? That, to me, makes absolute no sense. It's going back and relitigating um, an incident that you've already made a decision on. In other words, what they're saying is, referee, you've made a mistake then. Uh, we're overturning your decision. And, and, and uh, uh, I don't know about I, I, I listened to, um, I listened to your, your comments on it at the time, uh, Jacob. And I've, I've got to say, uh, I mean, there was contact, but it, it looked very 50-50 and, and fairly innocuous, to be fair. Yeah, I think that's right, Smitty. And the, the point here is there, there is contact there. And for me, I think it's actually instigated by the Costa Rican player who perhaps commits the first mm-hmm. foul. I don't think Matt Garbutt prevents the Costa Rican player from playing the ball. So in that regard, the contact is incidental. Uh, and then it doesn't meet enough in terms of the review process for the threshold of a clear and obvious error. In particular, because the referee was right there, and I, that's the bit that I don't understand. So he's seen it, he's happy mm. with it, he's let play go on. Um, why yeah. is VAR yeah. then getting involved in the situation? And to Ricardo's point, not for the penalty. Outplayed them, no doubt about that, Ricardo. We outplayed them. I think uh, Danny Hayes' game plan to go wide, use the likes of uh, Nico Kerwin in particular, a lot of ball, a lot of touches for him. Uh, actually, uh, I, I thought I'd uh, outthought Costa Rica for large moments in that game. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's hundred percent correct. Some of the, you know, a lot of people. I talked to John Adshead yesterday. He thought the game was going to be tight. I think the game was far more open than anyone expected. And off the back of that, you know, uh, I, I think it was alluded to in commentary by Daniel McCarty uh, on ECNZ, and and I think uh, Piney mentioned it as well on the Sky coverage that, you know, the Costa Ricans might have almost scored too early for themselves because then they sat back and invited the all-whites on, and we saw that the Costa Rican manager, Luis Suarez, was not happy. He made three substitutions at halftime to change things, and that brought the Costa Ricans more into it. But still, you'd even say after the all-whites went down to 10 men, they dominated the game. They had most of the ball. They had most of the chances. And uh, they, they outplayed the Costa Rican side who uh, had a lot of big reps on them and who were ranked 70 places, 7-0 places higher in the FIFA rankings than New Zealand. Tactically for you, Jacob? 
I think we got it right with the players that we had available for us in this particular game. So we were obviously without Ryan Thomas uh, and Sarpreet Singh. And I think if you have those players available, then Danny might look at a different formation, perhaps a four-diamond two. But to amplify the strengths of this particular group, I think the 3-4-3 was spot on. Um, the way in which Costa Rica played, the really deep defensive lines that they do tend to implement, the congestion through the middle, the spaces are going to be wide. And I think we did see the correct tactics employed by Danny Hay. What it came down to is... The chances were either denied through VAR or we didn't have the ball bounce our way at particular moments. Uh, so mm. that, that I think, is the, uh, the big tick for this one as we approached it well. And it's the first time, I think, that we can truly say that we've dominated an intercontinental playoff. From a, a goalkeeping point of view, Jacob Spoonley, uh, talk us through the, the early goal we conceded. I think it's frustrating. There's several manageable moments in there. Bill Tuiloma um, gets tight to his man, perhaps too tight, and the ball simply goes beyond him. Uh, however, I think he's expecting to have cover there, and the fact that there wasn't any was surprising for me. Once that ball does get further forward, uh, the Costa Rican player, there's no pressure on him, so the recovery run wasn't there to try and nullify the wide threat. And even then, once that ball goes into the box, Joel Campbell is the sole Costa Rican player, surrounded by about five or six all-whites. And that shot should never get away. It's a mishit shot in the end. Ollie Sal can't do anything about it. And to the point uh, about the experience of goalkeeper Smitty, he was by and large a passenger for the remainder of the game. So he had one mm. big save. That was his contribution. But um, I think Ollie wasn't really called upon. So we can't even really comment on his particular performance. No, we can't. Uh, Ricardo uh, Luis Suarez, who's uh, of course the manager of uh, the Costa Rican side. Uh, and it seemed as if he made an adjustment at halftime. He, he obviously thought to himself or thought to uh, his colleagues that if we continue to give them the space and we're not in their face a bit more, uh, they will punish us at some point. So they were certainly more aggressive in the early stages of the second half, Costa Rica. Yeah, definitely. Uh, brought on a six foot five centre back to help deal with the, the presence of Chris Wood, who was giving them all sorts of problems with his movement, with his physicality, he was stretching uh, their centre backs and, and causing them real problems. So he brought him on to to sort of take away the aerial threat of Chris Wood. Uh, he also brought Brian Ruiz, very experienced player, on up front to help manage the game from that point of view as well. And he just changed the way they played, changed their shape a little bit as well, and tried to nullify the wide areas a bit more, uh, and, and was good at that, you know. And that, that their gamesmanship was excellent as well. I think, you know, um, it's something we're not necessarily particularly good at from a New Zealand point of view, but it's something that's Costa Ricans did very, very well. They slowed the game down at every given opportunity. They wasted time. They took the most out of any free kicks that they were given and they just managed the game. They managed the game out. They held on to that 1-0 and, and managed out in the second half, um, you know, despite the chances that we had. Uh, they did what they did very well. Uh, that said, I think, you know, New Zealand, we, we, we should have scored at least one. Uh, mm. You know, the penalty that wasn't given, the one that was disallowed. And then, you know, I talked about consistency before, Smithy, um, just after Costa Barbarousas was sent off, and I've got to reiterate, I think that was the right call, a red card. He was late, it was studs up, it was high on the ankle, it could have potentially broken somebody's ankle. So I think that was a fair call. I don't have an issue with that call. But uh, two minutes later, Nando um, Pinaka gets an elbow, a deliberate elbow in the side of the head, 
and all that happens off the back of that is that Winston Reid gets yellow carded for complaining. So those are the inconsistencies. Why is VAR not looking there? They certainly took enough time. What happened was a drop ball. It wasn't even a free kick. So uh, the inconsistency uh, with the VAR and the referee in that situation is another situation that shows that the guy, the team that they had in there... uh, was not up to the job and you know mm. it was designated that it was going to be asian officials well there are japanese officials that are far better there are korean officials that are far better so why the uae officials got the job i think that's a real question for fifa on this one yeah it was a hometown call there's no doubt about that um uh, the read the winston reed uh, substitution at that point uh, jacob uh, were you surprised at that Yes and no. I think you want your leaders on the field for the full 90. And Winston Reid does have a confidence, a calmness that emanates out throughout this team, particularly the younger players that really made up the spine today. However, Winston's Mm. been without club football for a considerable amount of time now. So there was a real question mark about his ability to go to the 120 if it got there. Um, And the 90 today, I think we saw that he probably was lacking a little bit of match fitness. There might have been a consideration about that niggle that he's been... Uh, he's been managing the last couple of days. Um, but I, look, I think he put in a really good performance up until that point. The other, I think, really professional um, and a really key piece of leadership, I think, is the, the key point here, is that of Chris Wood. He was a really effective target man. If you want to talk about number nine uh, performances, positional play, um, the way in which he boxed out his defenders and then adjusted. He went from trying to knock the ball down off the long diagonals that he was receiving into the path of Alex Greaves and Matt Garbutt, realised that he actually had more time and space and started taking the ball down. And that caused the Costa Ricans all sorts of grief. They really couldn't handle him today. And he did have the ball in the back of the net. I thought he was going to uh, do that for the second time in that, in that second half when he got it down, got the control, got away from the Costa Rican inside the six-yard box. But it just wasn't to be for the big man today. No, it simply wasn't. Uh, for the All Whites, who, who stood out for you, uh, Ricardo, in that effort? Well, I think Jacob's already highlighted Chris Wood. I think it was great leadership from him. Um, I think Libby Kikache and Nico Kerwin, the two wide players, were excellent for New Zealand today as well. Uh, I, I think those were probably the real standouts. Matt Garbutt put in a real shift as well and, and caused him some problems, and so did Alex Grieve while he was on the pitch. So I think from those, um, I mean, if I had to pick one and say, here's my man of the match, it's probably Nico Kerwin, to be honest. Uh, the mm. amount of our chances that went through him, the amount of work he did, uh, I think he was really engaged and really on form today. And uh, I think, um, you know, he's probably not going to be running around in the third tier of Italian football much longer. Okay, so we're we're gone. We're out of it. The cycle's uh, up and uh, up and over with uh, Jacob. I, I, know, I know it's only early days. You 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 need to, some sleep to really dwell on this one. But here's the thing: uh, we we you know this is this uh, it was a, a damn good performance. It was a pretty damn good campaign, actually, considering uh, how often it was disjointed. Uh, there's certainly got to be some good stuff going forward here. This is a young squad with a coach who looks like he's the right man. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And there's been a real Kiwi foundation to this particular team. So we haven't employed an overseas expert, if you will, to come in and try and elevate our game. We've tried to build it from within. And Danny has really relied on key Kiwi culture, the characteristics of mana, looking to the past in terms of performance, 
trying to figure out how we can adapt our play, how we can be effective, but also at the same time evolve the play. So this group of players, there is a really strong core in there of players that are under the age of 23. They're going to be around for the next two cycles. I think Danny's given a really good account of himself in the way in which he's handled the adversity. Not being home in New Zealand uh, since 2017, hasn't played a home game in his tenure in charge. So I would like to see what we do in September against Australia, and I think we're also a chance to get some good fixtures and the build-up to the World Cup, as teams will like to play against us, seeing what we've put on the field today and realising it will be good preparation for them heading into the World Cup. Jacob Spoonley, go home, get some sleep, mate. I hope you uh, wake up in a a decent sort of a mood. Ricardo, I know you've got a busy shift to do this afternoon. Thanks very much for making yourself available uh, for us this morning. I I imagine you're going to feature a lot of this this afternoon, so I look forward to uh, maybe talking to you just before midday and finding out exactly uh, what you've got coming on. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time this morning. Doesn't ease the pain, but I thought we were outstanding. I, I really thought we were outstanding in that, in that one-off effort. I've got to say, we were the better side. Uh, thank you, fellas. Thank you very much. Thanks, Smithy. Thank you very much, Smithy. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.